0: Indie Film Sucks. Indie Film Sucks.
1: It's the Indie Film Sucks Podcast. Yeah. Coming at you from the mean streets of St. Louis from a basement on South Broadway. The Indie Film Sucks Podcast. Because Indie Film still sucks. Yeah,
0: yeah, it definitely sucks, and uh, it's going to be a little bit more quieter on this podcast because we're missing our third wheel, Chris Mackey. He's on assignment, and not to say that he's the actual third wheel. I mean, half the time I'm the third wheel, and sometimes you're the third wheel. Yeah. It just depends on the day. But yeah, Mackey's gone, so we're going to fill in some uh, some content with some of our own bullshit. And uh, it probably won't be near as good as as, as it is with him here. It'll but, be better. It'll be. Damn, that's <laughs> a statement. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna try that. Yeah. All right. So, who's uh, gonna do the, the suck first? Uh, hey Brock, what's your suck? Oh, that is a dick move. Uh, <laughs> uh. Well, honestly, since Mackie's gone, that that actually sucks for me today, because um, you know we we all work a lot and uh, we have our own families and our own bullshit we got to deal with on a daily basis and uh uh I really enjoy coming out here and uh and seeing you guys it gets my movie mojo flowing well, that's that's good because not every day you're on a film set obviously no not every day you're you're doing anything you really want to do if you want to make movies and you're doing other things like we do like most other indie filmmakers do
1: True. but
0: getting together with other filmmakers it makes me feel good, man. I like it, and uh, so I miss him. I hope he's having a good time, whatever he's doing. Um, but yeah, that's my suck—just uh, him being gone and not uh, being able to have a beer with him uh, uh, here in a little bit. So I'll drink one for him too.
1: How about you? Wow. Well, man, how can I? How can I follow up that? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can. I well, I'm going to go a different direction. All right, go. My suck—it's—it's uh, it's a recent thing. I had someone come at me on Facebook. They were they were not going to mention their name because we don't want a lawsuit, but they were asking, well, how come you think indie film sucks? Because I think indie film has a lot more freedom than Hollywood film. And I said, hey, listen to the podcast and find out. He said, well, I don't want to listen to it. So I guess my suck is how can you criticize something that you won't even take the time out to see what it's all about. I get it. The name of the podcast is Indie Film Sucks. But that's because many aspects of independent film production suck. Yeah, a little bit. It's it's not, it's not easy. A lot of it's not fun. A lot of it's not rewarding. But that doesn't mean we don't love to do it. Of course we'd love to do it. Right, so you're saying you, you got a troll. I got a troll. We got our first indie film sucks troll. All right, that means that means we're going somewhere. I think
0: so. All right, so what do we got tonight? I was going to leave that up to you. I answered the suck first. You
1: can you can go ahead and go on with this uh, shit show. Here we go. Let's go. Oh, great. Well, tonight going to ask Brock. You know, what are your memories about when we first got into filmmaking together?
0: So my first time meeting up with you was kind of my introductory to real independent film, to be honest, because I was just doing commercials and whenever a, a Production came to Missouri as lucky enough to be parts of those a Hollywood production when they shot movies in Missouri, which was rare. Yes, it was rare. So I, I was very lucky just being in any part of that. So I was taking acting classes locally uh, in St. Louis, and um, one of the other actors who was taking classes said, "Hey, there's a there's an audition for this this movie, uh, a feature linked film to be shot in St. Louis." Which 20-something years ago was kind of rare and a big deal. It was a huge deal um, because Hollywood didn't come to Missouri too often. Every now and again they would, but not very often. And usually, usually those roles were already cast with L.A. actors or Chicago actors or New York actors, anywhere but St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, you, the local talent would get uh, some minor roles or background roles. And I'd, I'd done a few of those. Um, so I was pretty excited to hear there's going to be a movie shot in St. Louis, uh, made from a St. Louis production company, which I had no clue who you were or what 88mm was. So uh, that weekend, I believe the audition was on a Saturday, maybe, a Saturday morning, I think Sounds it was. Right. We get to this location, I forget where the location
1: was. It was uh, the Tin Ceiling, little theater That's company on... Right on uh Macklin Avenue in South yeah, St. Louis
0: the 10 ceiling and as I mentioned before we I was kind of um taken back because there's a lot of people there yeah a lot of people there so uh, probably over 100 people there going through this auditioning process yeah. and um so for lack of better terms the actors were kind of in a I, I guess not really a green room but a a staging area in the basement. It was the basement in yeah. in the basement of this building to uh, pick out the scripts. And uh, the casting director was there, uh, kind of scanning the the crowd. And she introduced her name was Kathy the, Gatlin. Gatlin, Kathy Gatlin. Okay.
1: Yep.
0: She, Muse Productions. Yep. What okay. Her that, production. That's what. That's right.
1: Or her casting agency. I guess.
0: All right. So I spoke with her, and she's pretty cool. And uh, she's like, "Hey, here's a couple couple scripts you want to read for these these guys." And or look at him, and I, I picked <laughs> I, I picked a pretty good meaty role, so I thought, and that was the role of Key, which was like the lead actor in a movie. <laughs> so, I was going for the big one right well, out of gate. Well,
1: he was a supporting actor, okay. supporting character, but, but still. The big, it's one it of was a big part.
0: Yeah. yeah, one of the main guys. So, uh, I'm off in my little space, learning the, the lines, or trying to. I was still early in my career trying to figure out how acting really works, and I had ambition, but I had no real talent. <laughs> uh, I was still taking acting classes, you know, to, to learn how to read a script even. I guess that process lasted for a little bit, and then I was taken into the auditioning room where I meet another actor who's going to read opposite of me, and I see a table full of people, which one of them were you. Yes, and you asked me who I was going to be reading for, and I said, I'm going to be reading for the role of Key. And you're like, no, uh, you can't <laughs> read that role, because the guy you're reading this, auditioning with, that's the actual actor who's going to be playing that role. He was already cast. And I said, oh, okay. So uh, I was fumbling through. Uh, I think <laughs> what happened, I just read, I had the Key script, but just read opposite a Key. So that other actor's name is Derek. And uh, we seemed to hit it off throughout the audition process, and we seemed to bounce the, the dialogue off each other pretty well even though I wasn't very good in the audition so I hear uh, but I, I meet Chris for the first time and he tells me I can't read for the role that was on the table that I wanted to read
1: I didn't put him <laughs> down there so I don't, I don't know how that happened
0: uh, well anyway so after audition I, I felt like I did okay uh, I didn't know if I'd get anything and then um, I guess a couple weeks later or so I, I get a I think a phone call Probably, uh, asking to play the role of Snowy, and uh, I had no clue what Snowy was. But you can give the description of what you thought Snowy was in your script.
1: Yeah, Snowy was like a minor drug dealer, minor player in this kind of bigger crime arena.
0: Yeah, it seemed to me he 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 thought he was a bigger deal than he was. Yeah, so. Uh, it turned. Uh, I thought you said at one point you thought of him as an albino. Uh, you wanted <laughs> you wanted the actor to be an albino.
1: Yeah, originally. Yeah, you couldn't find one of those. No. <laughs>
0: okay,
1: so, so we'll go with the blonde guy. The
0: blonde guy with tan, <laughs> tan
1: skin. But the uh, the interesting thing about Snowy is I don't know. However many years later, twenty years later, whenever whenever we shot Thirty Five Days, mm-hmm. I guess it was like fifteen or sixteen years later. Yeah. We brought that character back and completely changed his his character arc for this other movie.
0: Yeah, that was pretty wild too. I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, being Snowy on the set, uh, I, I really in, enjoyed working with you guys the first time I, I got on set because I, I knew the lines pretty good. I, I knew the lines. You have to know the lines when you get there. Yeah. But you you gave me freedom to be uh, an actual character. You know, because I was definitely not. I was not playing myself at all. Uh, no, is snowy. It's definitely it had to be somebody totally different, and uh, so I kind of had to have this certain vibe, <laughs> which, which is fun to do. And I I said, hey man, is this working for you? Go, yeah, yeah, keep it going. Just you know, do, keep it going like that. And I said, okay. So I did, and uh, that scene turned out pretty good. And then the next scene I had to do was running out of a bathroom with my finger cut off. <laughs> yep, because I talked to the wrong guy in the bar. Yep. And the bar, you had, you had lots of extras in that bar. We had tons. Tons. And you uh, told me to run out screaming of the bathroom area and run out the door. And I was looking around. I was like, okay, so what can I do? Because do? it's just running screaming. And I, I don't want to be quite a little bitch, but uh, I want to make something kind of interesting. So I picked out the biggest guy in the bar. I said, hey, man, could you stand right here? He's like, yeah, sure. What for? I said, I'm going to run into you and almost fall down while I'm running out. I don't know if you you probably I don't remember it. that at all. Yeah, so I picked the biggest guy in the bar and I run out and I kind of bounce off of him and look at him and run out the bar screaming and and that was my first day on set with uh, with you guys an 88 mm f- from what I can remember. I didn't know what to expect because i had been on other sets, small commercial sets, yeah. big commercial sets. I'd actually been a- able to be on big movie sets as an extra, but nothing as a as a as an actor. A real actor. I thought you had your shit together, man. I had no clue about production. I had no clue about nothing. I just knew my lines, and I knew I had to run out
1: of the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, we we were so spoiled on that movie, mostly because of Kathy Gatlin, because we had so many extras, and all these, because I wrote all these bar scenes, we had all these bars that I used to frequent at the time, which most of those bars are no longer in existence we we had all these free cool locations all these resources that you just don't normally get as a, a essentially it wasn't a first time filmmaker but I was pretty damn close it was like the fourth thing we ever did we did like three shorts and a feature and i don't think we realized really what we had when we made that movie
0: yeah, I don't think anybody did. I mean, as a young actor at the time, that was early 2000s, 2000? 2000. 2001, 2002. Yeah, so I was pretty young back then. And, and uh, uh, nobody knows what to expect when you go onto a movie set You and you've never been there before, right? I mean, me as an actor, I didn't know what to expect. I just knew I needed to get be there at a certain time, know my lines, and there's going to be wardrobe there, and I had to figure everything else out from there. You'd give direction, obviously, as, as a director, but... Uh, You kind of go in blind, really, uh, if you've you've never done it before. And I hadn't done independent film before. So that was my first uh, independent, I guess, christening, if you want to say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But it was a pretty good experience. And uh, the neat part about that experience was uh, we was able to see it relatively soon after the
1: filming was complete. Uh, from what I remember about a year two years was it two years well no I guess about a year because we shot in winter of 2001 and 2002 we wrapped production in like April or May of 2002 and then we finally premiered it in June of 2003
0: yeah so in 2003 I'd gotten a lot of traction in St. Louis I did a lot more uh, commercials I did some other movies and there's actually a great big huge movie being shot in the summer of 2003 and it was called uh, The Game of Their Lives which was turned into a movie called The Miracle Match and had a bunch of big name actors it had Gerard Butler in it yeah. Gavin Rosdale, just a bunch of big name actors and, and, it, and I wasn't hired as an actor I could not play soccer I was an athlete but I didn't play soccer so I got cast from the casting director of that to be what they call a stand-in actor and stand-in actors what they do is they stand in for the main actors yeah. and they call you uh, the second team and uh, The cool thing about that was I worked all summer on a huge huge production. I mean this is like a $25 million production they made. And they filmed most of it in St. Louis and they filmed part of it in Brazil, but most of it was shot in St. Louis, and I got to work for six weeks straight on a major motion picture. So I got to work with the director and the DP and the other actors pretty close uh, every single day. And I got to learn a lot of things, how they act. I got to learn behind the scenes stuff, what goes into making a movie. And so I loved all that stuff. What I didn't like was being called second team. <laughs> yeah. I hated it. I fucking hated it. Because I would watch these actors do their thing, and I'd be like, man, I know I could do what those fuckers are doing if I know how to play soccer. <laughs> just, uh, I couldn't even be an extra at, at that level at soccer. All, all those soccer players there were uh, ex-pros or collegiate soccer athletes. So anyway, the reason I bring that up is because we were shooting that in the summer of 2003 and the premiere for Amphetamine was in 2003 Yeah, and man I was just, as a young actor, I was on a big movie set every day, I was getting ready to go watch a movie that I was in I was like, oh this is so fucking awesome, I can't wait to be like a full time actor all the fucking time <laughs> you know, because it's just everything was so cool it is, I was getting paid to be on the big movie set and I get to go see this Amphetamine movie which was Blowing out of the water, man! You guys crushed it at the premiere. I mean, yeah, the premiere was a great night. Is shoot, there's sh- shit, hundreds of people there. Well, about eight hundred people. You had a live band there that crushed it too. Yeah, and we just partied the night away. And well, I had to leave a early because I had to go to work the next day on the on the, the the soccer movie. So I thought that is what, you know, being an actor was about. Because I was just acting and I. I was just partying and having a good time. I already had a family already. I already had a wife and a, a kid, and then I actually had my second kid during the Game of the Lives movie. During the hmm. a couple days earlier, or a couple days later I think it was, is when my second kid was born. And uh, just a quick little cool thing is, the, so being on the set of the Game of Their Lives, when my second son Landon was born, I bought cigars for all the cast. So all the cast of that big ass movie smoked a cigar with me uh for the birth of my son which that's i think cool. is pretty cool man yeah and gavin rosdale at first he's like no man i i don't i don't smoke or anything that's that's all right man and so he gave a cigar to somebody else then he came up to me and goes hey man i'm sorry i didn't realize it was a tradition here and uh he said Do you have another cigar so I, I gave him another cigar and he kept that one i don't know if he smoked it but He's, he kept it anyway. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Back to you in 88mm, how that worked out is uh, you and I spoke a lot that night as well. I mean, you, you took your time to, I think, talk to all your actors. Yeah, I out. talked to a lot of people.
1: That was, a, ooh, that was a fun night.
0: Yeah, it was a good time. But we hung out with you for a little while and hung out with a bunch of other actors and uh, people I didn't even know. Uh, but they said they enjoyed the movie. It was a good time, man. And I thought, oh, it's... Yeah. It's all downhill from here, man. I know. Everything's clicking. We're yeah, going we're, places. We're going and going. And then uh, a couple of years went by, and I, I ran into at um, probably a, a showcase, a movie showcase, or the, the St. Louis International somewhere. Something like that. Uh, we were watching a movie, and we ran into each other. And, and then it seemed like only a year after that, you called me up on the phone about Rhineland, yeah. which is called a f- cruel frailty yeah, at the beginning. Terrible name. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm not going to rehash that whole story. But you called me up, and uh, I said yes, let's do it because uh, we had such a good time on Amphetamine. I really got to know you really, really, really well on uh, on the set of Rhineland. Again, uh, I was mostly just an actor in that. I, I was a social producer because we shot on my property, but and uh, uh, that was a is just a good time for me there too. Is we're making another movie, a World War II film, and yeah.
1: Uh, you did a lot of work on that, though.
0: Yeah, we, yeah. there's a lot of work. I mean, <laughs> digging foxholes and trenches. And it's all worth it, especially when you got to see all the extras come out with their tanks. And their, oh, yeah. And their deuces and their tents and their all their gear they brought out. All these reenactors I'm talking about, which, you know, made the movie what it is. We did all that and uh, thought it was over with. And then we get a call again about, you know, six months later saying, uh, hey, we got to shoot some more shit, but this is why and um, I was like wow man it's getting bigger and bigger and uh, cool let's do it again and I uh, thought it was over again the second time and then uh, you know, after we wrap up there I get, get a, a call again <laughs> for the, the third winner and I'm yeah. like oh, wow are we shooting a series or what the fuck's yeah. going on here man every time uh, we got to work together we got more comfortable with each other we saw each other's work ethics and uh, every film you've ever done I've I've you've asked me to be part of which uh, that's pretty awesome I appreciate that Thanks for showing up, <laughs> and that's all you had to do, really, right? Yeah. Show up. In my twenties and thirties, I did a, a shit ton of commercials. Uh, I was able to get a couple other you know, multi-million dollar films under my belt that I got to work on throughout the years. Nothing, not that I had a, a big, big role in any of those, but I still was cast and was lucky to to do that and happy and learned. That all gave me confidence to keep uh, keep on going as an actor. You know, and I wasn't producing it. In any of those other movies, unless I was associate producer, which actually meeting another guy in Rhineland, Paul Wendell, he he had a script called uh, Bedlam Street. Yeah, which you actually named that. If I well, re-
1: it was originally called Brown Town. Yeah, which was kind of a eh, name. So right. I think I gave him the name Bedlam Street, and he liked that better and went with it.
0: Yeah. So on the set of Rhineland, he gave me this script, and as uh, pretty impressed with his it writing good man. script very good script and it turned out to be a damn good movie. It, it did. did very impressive movie. So uh, uh, I, I, every set I'm on it seemed like I got another role because I was on the set doing something. Uh, so that's that's kind of how I kept with it acting because you know the, if you get into acting <laughs> to make money, uh, good luck. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there are people that make a shit ton of money at this, but it's, like, less than 1%, right? But throughout the years, you know, you kept calling me, yeah, I kept showing up, because I knew you'd finish your shit, and I knew you are a good guy, and you were in it for the long haul, and you always had basically the same crew working with you.
1: More or less. And,
0: right. uh, you know, I became friends with the the crew, too, and it turned out I ended up being part of the crew. Eventually, yeah. Yeah, uh, especially during third, during Rhineland, but then, uh, obviously, when... Um, Approached me with Sound of Nothing, which was, yeah, I think it was
1: 2010. We started working on that and we started shooting that in winter of 2011, so it was almost exactly 10 years after amphetamine, yeah. We shot amphetamine in 01 and 02, and we shot Sound of Nothing in 11 and 12.
0: Yeah, so when you called me about that role, you said, uh, actually, you didn't call me about the role, you called me about producing first. And so uh, we looked at the script and, you know, we had some ideas about, you know, how we get a name actor in this and how much it's going to cost. And neither one of us had, you know, any real money to to put up for what we needed to do. But we still knew we could we could probably shoot this on a a shoestring budget, really, is all it was. We we spent 24,000, 24,000, which, you know, it's not much. No, we was able to raise it. It wasn't hard to raise that kind of money, really. We was able to do it, but we, we really didn't go out and pitch to big-name big no. investors. We just were trying to raise money through ourselves, or, or friends, or, or, you know, whoever wanted it. That yeah. we knew. We didn't go out of our circle, really. Yeah,
1: some, yeah, no. I mean, some of that was out-of-pocket money, and then right. a handful of investors put in.
0: Right, and I had a decent year in business, so I used my business card to write off some lunches and, you know, shit like that. But we, we shot that movie pretty, pretty quick and pretty good, and I, I wasn't the lead actor in that one, but I had a pretty nice role, and uh, is is fun to do. And it was, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic film, which, you know, those are always fun yeah. to watch. And it, being in it was pretty cool. And I got to be not I got to be an asshole. You did. And uh, the, I, I rarely got cast as that. Honestly, I'm usually like a the guy next door, or the or the soldier, or the cop, or which is fine. I don't mind being cast like that at all. But being uh, kind of an asshole villain.
1: Uh, no, Stucky. That character was a real prick. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. And he was the, the character is named after another character in a, uh, a film called <clears throat> Southern Comfort, which is a Walter Hill film. And there was a character named Stucky in that movie who was kind of an asshole, but also kind of a fuck up. And that's that's where the name came from.
0: Yeah, so uh I I really liked that role uh a lot. And uh so we shot that and then it it that was a hard shoot too because it, it was dur- is during the winter. We had a handful of locations, not a whole lot of locations, but we got great locations. We did. And the film looks fantastic. I hope you guys you know, take a moment to watch it. Uh, uh our distributors are keeping all the money, so it's not It's not for us to make money. I just want you guys to, to go see it. Yeah, that doesn't come back to us until
1: uh, next year.
0: Right, right. and we'll uh, we'll get that out there for everybody to see, uh, I guess, for free since we're not making any money off of it anyway. But uh, I learned a shit ton off of that movie as an actual producer. Mackie's always talking about we had to know how much money we could spend on lunches, how yeah. much money we needed for this, how much money we needed for that, uh, make sure the locations were locked, every location, because I, I had to make some connections with some local people in my town to get some of these really cool locations. Uh, so lots of phone calls, lots of talking to people and uh, make sure that, you know, even, even casting, you know, we had, we had to meet actors to read, read some stuff for casting. Like the girl who played Melissa. Uh, we met her at a, like a, a coffee shop and,
1: uh, and read with her. And yeah, well, we uh, found we, her, we auditioned for the role. We auditioned her. I think everyone else was hand selected, but we didn't have a Megan. So we probably auditioned. I, you were at the audition, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. We had like, I don't know, it w- wasn't a big turnout, but it was like, you know, 15, 20, you know, young.
0: Yeah, there f- weren't too many actresses in St. No. Louis. It was like fifth a f- group.
1: 15 to 18 year old girls. Yeah. And because the, the character was 14, but we I, I wanted an actress who was, you know, older but could look younger. Yeah, and she definitely did look yeah. younger than her age. No, Melissa, the actress, yeah. Melissa Jordan. Yeah, she was seventeen, maybe, but you know she played fourteen, and you know she did did a great job.
0: Yeah, she did, and in fact, uh, so we had to have a flashback scene of her as a younger version. And the yep. the coolest thing is, uh, some Melissa had blonde hair and brown eyes, and that's that's hard to, to find too, especially a, a blonde haired, brown eyed little girl. Yeah. Uh, who can act? Luckily for me, I had a niece. Yeah. With blonde hair, and brown eyes, looked like Melissa. Yeah. She is the right age for what we needed for the film at that time. Yeah, it worked out. Yeah, worked two out years well. later, she changed. Where did we film that scene? Was, uh, Crestwood Mall. Yeah, at a mall That's all. It was all dilapidated and tore up, and we got to film in the catacombs of that, which is
1: pretty awesome. Because what we needed for that, we needed a long sort of access hallway, which is oddly enough hard to find. That's the funny thing about independent film there will be some weird thing that you need you would think it would be easy to get you know like a trailer or like uh, 50 gallon drums or something it's just like something right. that you need that you don't have a, a shit ton of resources yeah and you've got to go through all these hoops to find this thing and, and all we needed was a long hallway that was like an access hallway like uh it's like the hallway behind the mall yes yeah, it looks like a big tunnel yeah and, and we needed something like that, and we looked everywhere, high and low, and finally settled on Crestwood Mall. And and even that was an ordeal, because, I mean, the mall was defunct. They were going to tear it down shortly. Mm-hmm. And I think director Wyatt Weed, he actually, after us, he shot there. Yeah, for, got to shoot there again, for, actually. Yeah, for uh, his uh, Dark Knight uh, fan film yes. that he made. But it at the first, they didn't want to let us in there, and it was going to cost, you know... Uh, Incredible amount of money, and I, I talked them down to a reasonable price. You know, we had insurance. It was a professional shoot, and, you know, we got in there and did it. But I think we had, like, some crazy time limit of, like, six hours or something like that.
0: Yeah, and we had a lot to do. We moved pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm just my my niece, Rachel, who, who played the young Megan, uh, <laughs> Robert had to carry her throughout that old hallway was long. It was yeah. probably thirty yards long or whatever. he had, yeah. to, he had to run up and down it carrying my niece, who, you know, I mean, she's little, but she wasn't tiny. Yeah, and uh, her heart was beating as fast as his because she is so nervous yeah. being in the movie that uh, <laughs> she is nervous too. But she did a great job. No, it was fine. It worked out good. Yeah. So yeah, that was the time I. I that movie is when I really started learning what independent film making was really about not independent film acting which to me acting is acting you don't act different because you're on an independent film than than any other film you act as good as you can no matter what but when uh learning how to be an independent producer that's there's you just got to be on set to learn that shit yeah you know there's no classes to
1: take you know you just got to be there and do it yeah, I remember talking to you early on when, like, your first time really stepping on that side of the camera. You're like, man, this kind of sucks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that was on the set of Rhineland. He was walking around looking for more locations on the property. Yeah. And he goes, so uh, so what do, you, what do you think about it? And I said, oh, I'll be honest with you, man. I think I'm just going to stick to acting, man. Just, <laughs> there's a lot of work going on here, and, you know, I want to just focus on the craft. What yeah. An, what an idiot I've become! <laughs> I should just, I should just stuck with that. But no, I, honestly, I'm glad I didn't. Man, this has been a hell of a journey throughout these years. I don't particularly like watching myself. Just, I really, really don't.
1: You say that all the time, and I hear other actors say that, and it always blows me away. I, yeah, never, I just, I never understand that. Like, how can you be an actor, and and not, be invested in watching yourself act? But you're not the first person I've heard say that. No, I, I just, I just,
0: I don't know. I just don't like. The way I look and sound or nothing. <laughs> I'm glad other people well, are all right with it, but I just uh,
1: you're I just, in the right profession.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, other people are cool with it. That's awesome. I appreciate, it. but I, I love I love being part of a big project like like what we've done with Red Knight and seeing the fruits of our labor is really really cool uh, because it with filmmaking it takes so many people to to make just one scene happen, let yes. alone a whole fucking movie. But uh, Speaking of that, you know, a lot of times we'd work on the set, and then we'd have to uh, we'd shoot like five days in a row, right? Yeah. Or, or we a lot of time we shot two five days and a couple of weekends. Is that what it was? Something like that. So we the last shooting day is usually on a Sunday, and then we'd go home, and Monday we'd get a little rest, and then Monday night we'd have to talk about what we need for Thursday shoot. Yeah. And you know we're going over the script scene by scene, of making sure all the props were taken care of, all this, make sure all the actors were, the location is still there, and we're just dead fucking tired because we just came off of a four or five day kicking our ass trying yeah. to make this movie, and it's it's physically depleting. Because oh, it is. You're, it, I mean, I know it's, it's, it looks like there's a lot of standing around doing nothing, but man, there's a lot of mental shit that goes into making a movie, and um, for me as an actor and producer on this there were some days I had to learn like five pages of dialogue and shoot it that day I remember one day I was like okay we're shooting this scene this scene this scene I'm like wait we're shooting this scene too <laughs> I, shit I, so I had to find me a corner and make sure that uh, I had, had it all down and it's kind of tough to be honest uh, trying well, to be an actor and producer at the same I time absolutely don't disagree with you I know everybody says it sucks but during production it's going so fast you're doing so much shit you don't have time to think about it sucking because that it actually is is fun you're 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 engaged with everybody yeah your adrenaline's going yeah and that's why you're so wore the fuck out on on sunday
1: night and monday oh yeah you you depleted yourself because even if you're only shooting for eight hours and uh, we normally shot i don't know 10 i think 10 was our average on this but but even so you're just going the entire time yeah and so by by the end of your day you're just you're just done you're mentally physically exhausted and all you want to do is crawl into bed, yeah. but then you got to get up early the next day and do it all over again.
0: <laughs> that or just have to go to work, like your real fucking job.
1: Or that, or that too, which <laughs> we've all had to do that.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's been a journey so far here working uh, with you all these years, uh, 20 years now. Yeah, a little over 20. And we've made some good stuff. Uh, I hope... More people get to see it here eventually. I mean, we get that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. So I know Red Knight's coming out soon. I know it's coming soon. People keep asking, and I'm sorry they're all waiting so long, but uh, this, this is just how it is right now. You know, we gotta we gotta make it the best we can, and we don't want to fuck it up because no. we put so much work into it. We want to make sure it's all done right. You know, take no shortcuts, cut no corners. That's right. I mean, I we've we've learned a lot, and we've all done. You and I have done lots of movies together and it seems like we learn a shit ton every time we do a production and red Knight was such a learning experience for me as a like a a bigger producer and lead actor Uh, i can't wait to do another one
1: and take what i've learned from that one and apply it generally speaking production is the most fun you're gonna have Mm -hmm. Uh, pre-production has its own agony post-production has its own agony marketing and distribution is just fucking horrible but production, when you're in production, and that does not come without it. It, it, it does have its own challenges, believe me, but that is, that's where the magic happens. That's where the excitement happens.
0: It is, and it gets, it, it gets to be recreated when you get to see it for the first time, or even if it's the second or third time with a, with a theater full of people. It, it really is something uh, to see that collaboration come together.
1: You know what the most important thing about this whole process is, though? Why don't you tell me that, Chris? Well, that's when we talk about the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens of true independent filmmaking on the Any Film Sucks podcast brought to you by 88 Millimeter Productions. Look at all the social stuff because that's where we put stuff. I love all these hand gestures you're doing. The that's, highs and the lows. That's, yeah, I know. It's what I do. <laughs> anyway, uh, keep, keep sucking. All right, guys. Thanks
0: for listening. And, uh, Uh, Yeah, keep on sucking. Adios. Indie
1: film sucks. Indie film sucks. It's the Indie film sucks.